0: prosecution outlined how accounting practices and so common practices did not. What kind of likeness, likeness is that? If they were great artists to be in a museum. I'm fucking fodder for cartoonists oh, now. Cartoonists now.
1: Episode of Gutter Boys. This is episode 21. In this episode, we're joined by Dave Baker. You might remember him from our last episode, where we got a chance to interview him and Nicole Gu. For this interview, we were able to go a little more in depth with their body of work and their perspective on the comic industry as a whole. We also touch a little bit about the ongoing pandemic that everyone's experiencing right now and the rippling effect on the comic industry as a result. Cam and I will also be discussing that subject in particular next episode as the story develops. We'll also be joined by some other guests, so stay tuned for that. We will continue to produce as much content as we can for all of you. Uh, We know right now it's a pretty dire time, so it's good to have something to keep your mind off of it, even though we're kind of addressing the thing you're trying to keep your mind off of. But hey, what can you do? Anyway, if you're listening to this, Gutter Nation, we do hope that you're all doing well and are relatively safe. Uh, We know it's a bit of a bleak time right now economically for a lot of people, Uh, so if you do want to plug anything, whether it be a Patreon or commissions, etc., let us know, please, and we'll be able to plug it in our next episode. Uh, Just as a side note, uh, you're going to notice a slight audio difference, and that's because for this interview we recorded directly onto Skype, which is something we normally don't do on the show. Uh, but due to some restrictions, we had to do that. So apologies in advance for that. Uh, but hopefully, you'll still enjoy it. All right. So without further ado, here's the conversation I had with Dave Baker. talk about Dave <laughs> what's your relationship like with your parents
0: oh man well right now my parents are both like is diamond gonna be over when this is when the coronavirus is done because <laughs> I feel like that's the conversation I've been having with everybody
1: yeah one would hope
0: yeah I don't know man <laughs>
1: I, I mean I'm I'm a dad. Even before the Corona stuff, I'm starting to heavily lean into accelerationism at this point. So it's just like, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I Let think it
0: it's the, it <laughs> I I, the issue being that it's one thing if Diamond were to just implode and then other distributors pop up. But the issue being with Coronavirus right now, Diamond, I think, has a very likely chance of going under. I think conservatively, a third of retailers will go under. Worst case scenario, three-fourths of retailers will go under. And if three-fourths of the 3,000 retailers go under, that means every publisher that's not Marvel and DC probably shits the bed too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. This might be the uh, unexpected bump that digital comics needed. (laughs) Because I think you're going to see an increase in digital comic readership at this point. Uh,
0: I I want that to be true. I I don't know that it is. I don't think Americans like digital comics in the way that they have been tried before. I mean, I know Webtoon is doing some cool things, and web comics are great. I read a lot of web comics, but it doesn't. It's not. It the the full circle isn't really there. It's like you spend three years making your webcomic and then you do a Kickstarter that makes a couple thousand dollars. That's not a full industry.
1: Oh yeah, no, I agree. But I think and I'm not trying to
0: be, clear. I'm not trying to be doom and gloomy and naysay. like, I don't want all of this to implode. I don't want, I would love for there to be a boom in digital readership. I think that'd be great. I just, for me, I, I haven't seen the readership outside of a few outliers, even just webcomics in general. Like, They're not read in the same way that they were 10 years ago, you know?
1: Well, pre-quarantine, yes. What I'm saying is with this (laughs) quarantine happening, you're going to see a tick go up with digital readership. And I don't think it's because people prefer it. And that's why it hasn't gone anywhere in the last five years. I think it's just going to come out of necessity at this point.
0: Let me ask you this, though. Do you think that that is a necessity? Because I kind of feel like you're not the, the from do you think that the that the battle is between comics readers choosing between print and digital comics or comics readers choosing between reading a comic in the way that they would originally have wanted to or Netflix you know what I mean
1: Well I think the people that would have opted for Netflix aren't going to be reading comics in general regardless of its digital or print
0: I, I don't think I agree with that I think every unfortunately I think every human on earth watches Netflix regardless of what they're cross that's what I
1: mean yeah yeah I don't see I don't see that changing their behaviors in terms of how they consume comics because they're not consuming comics what I'm saying is that the people that currently do consume comics you're going to see that transition over from from print or physical media to digital more at least within the next eight to 12 months
0: I hope so yeah I do I hope so I I don't think I I don't I I, I hope so.
1: <laughs> i mean it's just going you're, you're basically just taking one glass of water and pouring it into another glass of water it, it's not going to be there's there's not going to be like a net positive for the industry in in, in any sort of real material way you're just going to see more of a a, a more clear transition over from physical media to digital in terms of comics than, than we've seen in the last 10 years
0: i hope so i don't i don't know that i agree i think Digital comics people are a specific type of person, and I think physical comics people, unfortunately, yeah. are they just want to read. They want to hold the thing, and they don't like going on their computer. Um, and I think right. in the world that we live in right now, where the world is ending, I don't know that a lot of people – I think a lot of people are just going to stop reading comics, period. I, I, I don't want that to happen, obviously. I just – I think people are just going to jump off the train, you know?
1: Yeah, maybe. I think at some point, comics are going to be a very low priority here. Uh, if things get as bad as I think they might,
0: yeah. If um, it's if it's food, if it's water, right. food, shelter, and then way yeah. down the list, comics. Way, way, way
1: down. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> um, but that, I think that's like doomsday scenario. I I don't think we're gonna get that bad. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we, yeah, we will. Because <laughs> we yeah. don't really have much say in it. <laughs>
0: yeah. How are you? Uh, how are you holding up with the, uh, the quarantine? You
1: know, I thought it was going to be more productive, and I haven't been. <laughs> mm. I've been more just kind of um, panic binging garbage movies uh, than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I've only really, as in terms of like drawing, I've only really been doodling in a small sketchbook. That's really about it. Mm. There's stuff I should be working on, and I did work a little bit on it, but not as much as I would would have hoped or assumed I would have done. You know, considering the the amount of time I have. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. Uh, so yeah, what do you want to What do you want to talk about, bud? Maybe lighten <laughs> up the mood. Um, what's What's uh, What's making you happy? What's keeping you In a positive um, state of mind, I guess. Am I happy? I don't know, man. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm just trying to reach for anything here.
0: Am Am I in a positive state of mind these days? Or am I in a constant state of, fuck me, I need to finish this book I'm working on. Because if I die during coronavirus, this book will go unfinished and I will hate everything.
1: Yeah, well, luckily you won't be hating anything.
0: No, I will. I'll be like from beyond the grave. I'll be okay. haunting haunting this apartment with whoever lives next in it going, You must finish my book!
1: That would actually be pretty cool. No, though.
0: you're drawing the crowd scene wrong. More robots!
1: So before, before all this stuff started happening, you'd been working on this book yeah for quite some time.
0: yeah, I'm working on a book called Mary Tyler Moorhawk. and it is a it's a half novel half comic about um, the, uh, the, the, the the comic section is a it's like a licensed comic for a TV show that got cancelled a hundred years in the future. And the prose section is a piece of journalism by a guy also 100 years in the future, also named Dave Baker, who's obsessed with the TV show Who Got Cancelled and is trying to find the reclusive, uh, uh, capricious, acerbic genius that created this thing, who's named Dave Baker, who may or may not be me.
1: Oh, so you're... It's a very... Sounds very being John Malkovich for some reason.
0: It's It's like if you took a bunch of Charlie Kaufman movies... And threw them in a blender with Johnny Quest and Common Rider. And then just okay. hit the puree.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What so got the, you started on this? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, like, the comic sections are, like, you know, this continuing narrative of this girl detective named Mary Tyler Moorhawk and her family. And it's, like, the comic you're reading is is the, the story, in air quotes, that the... Uh, journalist in the future like fell in love with and likes these characters and is obsessed with them and finds these kind of like weird double meanings within his life and and my life and um, uh, yeah I've been working on it for probably about a year now and I've got like 120 something pages of the comic stuff written and probably about a hundred pages of the prose stuff written and you know that's what I'm doing with, during the, the, the quarantine, just slowly plugging away at it.
1: How many pages do you think this thing will be in terms of like comics pages?
0: The comics pages are pretty much done. It, the, the whole book is told in nine panel grids. Um, and so there are nine chapters in the book. The main character is nine years old. Um, nine is like a recurring number in the book. And uh, all of the comics pages are, are drawn. Um, they still need to be toned and lettered but they're all drawn um so now i've mostly been fixing some of the pages um because i literally am trapped in my apartment during quarantine with no scanner so i can't scan more than i've already scanned so i'm just kind of going back and changing faces or moving this around and doing that the other and um and uh yeah and then just working on the prose sections
1: yeah cool and uh I mean, I feel like this. This sounds like it'll be carrying over a lot of reoccurring themes and motifs that have been popping up in your previous work, anyway.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Uh, I guess of... we
1: should go more. Yo, go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. No, what were you going to say? No, 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 no. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I think it's kind of. Uh, this book is kind of like a the spiritual sequel to Action Hospital. I mean, it doesn't have anything really to do with Action Hospital. It's just, Mm -hmm. I kind of, uh, I did, so I did two, three volumes of action hospital, each one, 200 plus pages. Uh, so I did three volumes of this book, action hospital, and, uh, it took a lot out of me. Each, each book is like 200 pages long. Uh, and it was great. I liked making them. And now my apartment is filled with thousands and thousands of copies of action hospital, um, and that is both exciting and depressing mm. And uh, so I was like I'm, since I'm basically just self publisher you know I I want to kind of not do a reset but do something that's standalone that if you're paying attention like oh yeah it basically happens in the action hospital world It's a completely separate thing into itself It's in its own ecosystem And also I found out at one point that me, Doug Wildey who's the creator of Johnny Quest and David Foster Wallace who's one of my favorite writers all lived in Tucson at the same point
1: point. Hmm.
0: and I was like I, I that just kind of sent me down this like weird spiral of thinking about like these people that have meant so much to me and these these things that they've made and how they've impacted me and how I wish I could have found them and obviously both of them are dead at this point hmm. um you know, David Foster Wallace committed suicide, and uh, Doug Wildey is just old as fuck. Uh, <laughs> so he just fucking died. Uh, yeah. But 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 you know, I I it kind of started from there where I was like, I can't believe that these that me and like two of my favorite humans lived in this objectively shitty small town in Arizona. Like, what the fuck were they doing there? It's crazy. And so I was like, I'm gonna. I'm going to make a book that's, like, about that feeling, that kind of, like, weird, obsessive, like, I wonder if Doug Wildey and David Foster Wallace and I were all in Safeway at the same time. (laughs) Right, right.
1: Trying to find patterns. Yeah. And making sense of synchronicities. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And, I well, I guess we should talk more about Action Hospital because we didn't really get to touch on that uh, during the interview with, with you, Nicole. Oh yeah. Um, where
0: I was just like screaming about <laughs> creator rights and how it was good how, though. I kind of felt bad. Nicole, Nicole has lots of very great things to say. And I was just like, ah, fucking contracts are shitty. <laughs> uh, oh, well from mobsters. Well,
1: we'll just, we'll have Nicole on another time. It's all good. Um, but yeah, so the action hospital, when, when, when did you start working on this book? Like initially. And where where did all these core ideas kind of come from? Like this uh, idea.
0: of, of Yeah. Huh? So the high concept of Action Hospital is that it's a, a comic that takes place in a fictional hospital that services otherworldly beings and people with extreme needs. It's kind of like Men in Black meets Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind uh, with the added complexity that all the characters in the hospital are paired with an individual artist. So whenever they show up. Always drawn by the same person, so sometimes there's like six artists all drawing on one page. Um, I write it all and I draw the main character, who's a nurse named uh, Joan Michelle Basquiat, uh, who has kind of this mutant ability where she can see the essence of people and they manifest in weird little like Basquiat esque paintings over their faces. Okay. Um, I love that I just like spit out an insanely bizarre concept and you're like, Okay. Okay.
1: I I feel like that's like it working in comics. It's just like yeah, okay, that makes sense. Mhm. Mhm. I'm following you.
0: Yeah. So I think I started it in like 2012, maybe. It was like r- around okay. about when I moved to Los Angeles. So 2012, 2013, somewhere in there.
1: Okay. So this has been an ongoing project for a while now.
0: Yeah. 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 The first book I did as a webcomic for an extended period of time, it probably took from beginning to end like four, maybe five years because it's legit like 300 pages.
1: Um, yeah. And they're very, very dense. Yeah
0: you,
1: yeah, you tend to almost put too much information yeah. in one page, <laughs> just like uh, daring the reader to go through all of it.
0: Yeah, that's what I like, man. I really, I, yeah. I love, I love kind of like Thomas Pynchon-esque, like, you know, David Foster wallace like, I'm going to have this one sentence run on for a, a whole paragraph style works, but, you know, just in comics form. Right. Um, and, you know, I love doing, like, I think there was one page in, in Action Hospital 2 where I counted and I think there were 54 panels. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, like that's just cock and ball t- torture for like you and the reader.
0: Is it though? I think it's cool, man. <laughs> I'm into it. I think uh,
1: it is cool. Don't get me wrong. It is cool, but it's just like both from the perspective of working on it and then also as a reader having to go through that. I I don't know. Yeah,
0: but it's not like it. It's not like a grid with 52 panels where you have to read every one like. You know, some of them are that way, and then some of them are yeah. more like, just big kind of, uh, like in one of them, one of the pages in Action Hospital 2, there's an anthropomorphic shark character who jumps through a wall, and as he's like, you turn the page and it's a double page splash of him like, flying out of this second story wall, down into like this kind of like, food court area, and as he's falling, there's like a trail of smoke and debris and, and detritus. And within that trail, there's like probably a hundred little inset panels of yeah. him frowning, him squinting, him screaming, his hands, his feet, <laughs> his, his elbows. You know, like that's, yeah. I mean, that, that's fun for me. I, I really, I like, I, you know, it might not be fun to read. I think it's fun to read, but, you know, what do I know? <laughs> but I, 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 I enjoy drawing those things because I like, language of comics and i like the um the uh the mechanics of how words and pictures interrelate and how pictures and pictures interrelate and how compositional elements can be used to direct the reader's eye around the canvas and um yeah so sometimes it's fun to put 500 panels on a page and make somebody do a little corkscrew
1: yeah yeah i think that dog outside disagrees with you very strongly though
0: yeah, that's true. Ginger, ginger, one hundred percent says, "Shut the fuck up."
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you, yeah, you have uh, you said three books of yeah. Action Hospital.
0: Yeah. Uh, I wrote all the first one, which is "Future's a Strange Place," and I drew probably half of that one. It, that one is eighteen interconnected short stories that all have a this like large recurring cast of characters that you know kind of wax and wane. Mm -hmm. The second one, uh, I thought it would be really funny if volume two took place over one day and was 300 pages. Mm -hmm. That joke was less funny after two years of drawing. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, yeah, but I drew all of that one. Uh, That took me about a year and a half or two years to draw. And by the end of it, my wrist was like clicking. So I, I took like six months off. He's not yes, good.
1: That's good. It's yeah. not good.
0: And then the mm. third one I wrote and penciled and uh, the highly acclaimed illustrator Erwin Papa inked.
1: Yes. And I do know Erwin. He's a, so. he's very good. Yeah. He can also sculpt, right? Like that's, Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's
0: what he pays the bill. That's infuriating.
1: For. Yep. Yeah. The fact that he can draw as well as he can and also sculpt basically the same. Yep. <laughs> With the same amount of skill is really uh, appalling. <laughs> yeah, I
0: agree.
1: Really sweet dude. Really sweet dude, though. Yeah. Uh, uh, so what what are the plans with Action Hospital now? I mean, you said you wanted to kind of take a break from it.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, I think the plans right now are to uh, try and sell some of the books that are in my apartment.
1: <laughs> and, well, um, yeah. I mean, if, we touched on that a little bit. You said that that book has not sold as well as your other work.
0: Yeah. I mean, it just hasn't. Like, some of the other stuff I've made is a little bit probably more digestible and a little bit more commercial.
1: Okay. Um,
0: I feel like the hook for something like Fuck Off Squad is just, it has fuck in the title, and it's a romance comic about queer skater kids. So I feel like Mm. that's it's more digestible. Whereas comic, and I, I think a lot of people who I end up, you know, meeting and selling and making friends with at shows, because that's the primary distribution model for all of our books is just conventions. I feel like there, a lot of them are just normal people. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like action hospital might be a little bit more geared towards someone who wants a little bit more of a challenging read and is interested in comics and in a, in a more nuts and bolts way. You know what I mean? Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Yeah. Yeah, um, and uh, and also I just Nicole draws better than I do. Like, I she's, just, <laughs> she's really good. Uh, so I think you know, there's that too, which is like, if if Nicole drew Action Hospital, it might be a different story. You know, we we. Has, might she, ever, has yeah, she, she ever? Yeah, she did. Done? I I okay. she did. She did stuff for the first for the first book. She's okay. got probably thirty or so pages in the first
1: book. That's what I thought. Okay, I wasn't sure.
0: Yeah. But also, she drew like 30 pages. She didn't draw Action Hospital. Like, if you flip right. through Action Hospital, you're looking at mostly my art. Right. and But the,
1: like you said, the, the, it does include quite a variety of artists, too.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, I think the plan for Action Hospital right now is to just let it be its thing for a minute while I work on this other book. Uh, and then I'll come back to it eventually. I'll do more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people have asked you about when is the next Action Hospital going to come out
0: i'm gonna kayfabe this and say oh yeah i get asked all the time
1: (laughs) well i know it has happened though maybe not like every person that comes by your table or every show but yes yeah there are people there that are following it and reading it and and do want to see kind of where it goes from here
0: absolutely yeah i mean i and i bring them to every show and we sell them you know i i sell what i sell basically what i bring to every show which is great um And look, if I really gave a shit about making money and <laughs> accruing fame, I wouldn't be making comics. So, I know what I I know what I'm into.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would say comics is the last thing anyone would want to be doing if that's the case. Yep. I've never seen a, a get rich quick scheme work out. Well, actually no, that's not true. I, I have seen it play out once, but I think they were already rich to begin with, so it kind of defeats the purpose of doing it to make more money. Sounds um right. No, but uh, I, I
0: honestly, though, I really, I do feel like an, an immense sense of internal calmness just from being able to look over the corner of my house and be like, oh, that's 2,000 copies of a book I made. That's fucking cool. Like, yeah, I ran that Kickstarter motherfucker. Like I, I did that shit.
1: What was the print run on all three of those?
0: Uh, the first one, the first one has been, has gone back to print a couple times, but I think. Okay, I okay. Like, I only print them in like runs of like three hundred or two hundred each time, just because mm-hmm. they don't sell crazy. Um, but yeah. the f- the second book since I did that Kickstarter, I think I printed three grand, three three thousand copies, and then the third okay. book, I think I printed a thousand copies, which hmm. you know a thousand a thousand copies of a three hundred page book that takes up some fucking space, my dude.
1: Yeah, that's a lot. That's a heavy load.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if there's ever an earthquake in Los Angeles that tears my apartment, you know, in two, the people below me are going to be dead. <laughs> crushed gonna, to death by action hospitals. Crushed looks. by action hospitals. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: do you want to talk a little bit about the two books that are signed, sealed, and on their way to being delivered?
0: Well, one of them hasn't been announced yet, so I can't talk about one of those. Okay, um, but. The other one, yeah. Uh, Nicole Gu and I are going to... Oh, I guess there's actually... No, there are two books I can talk about. There are two books I can talk about. Uh, Nicole Gu and I are doing a, uh, a book for Simon Schuster's Athenaeum imprint. It's a coming-of-age story about a bunch of bullied teenage girls in a conservative Christian boarding school in the middle of nowhere, California, who start a highly sexualized anime, in parentheses, hentai, uh, distribution ring where they start selling porn to all of their, uh, all their, all their little niño friends. And uh, it like tears apart their friendships and uh, you watch them kind of like ascend through the ranks of this school and navigate questions of kind of faith and friendship and uh, being a teenager in the 2000s.
1: Wait, so high school kids, are they of legal age to consume hentai? <laughs> uh,
0: I, I choose to take the fifth.
1: Oh, boy. Okay. So what, was, uh, what got you into this uh, story idea? Was it something that you and Nicole had written together? Was it something you strictly had written? Uh, yeah,
0: Nicole and I have been talking about it for a while. Yeah, it, it's funny. I, I know a couple people who've done things that are kind of like this. And I used to buy like bootleg anime and shit from a guy in my high school. And uh, yeah, I just got kind of obsessed with the idea of making like a sad romance comic about that experience. And uh, yeah, it kind of just it took a while to come together because Nicole and I made a pitch for it maybe like two years ago or so. Yeah. And then our agent had it for a while and was chopping it around and pitching it and pitching it and pitching it. And then Nicole booked the Batgirl book, mm-hmm. Shadow of Batgirl out now, wherever comics are sold uh, you can go buy it written by the lovely Sarah Kuhn and drawn by uh, the inimitable uh, Nicole goo. Please go buy it right now um, because no one's buying comics right now because the world is ending, but you should just buy it anyway. Um, <laughs> risk your risk, your life. Go to the comic store that's probably closed, but go there anyway right now. Or
1: if your comic store is nice enough to deliver it.
0: Yes. Yes. It's very good. Published by DC Comics. It's good. You should read it. Anyway, uh, Nicole booked that gig uh, off of the back of our Fuck Off Squad series, which is a romance comic about skater kids. And our agent was kind of able to set up Forest Hills Bootleg Society, which is the hentai distribution book, off
1: of. Exactly. And just to clarify that on silver sprocket available
0: now available now available now silver sprocket <laughs> silver sprocket a a yes uh i owe avi ehrlich the the head honcho over at silver sprocket a lot they've really uh gone above and beyond for both nicole and i gave us a break when no one else would and um they've treated us really really well and uh i owe them a lot yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. So, <laughs> yes, yeah. uh yes genuine, genuine, heartfelt expression of uh, Yes, uh, that is how that played out. Uh, yes. Yeah.
1: No, I just uh, – I remember when you were telling me about this story, it just seemed so out of left field compared to the other stories that, that you guys have released.
0: You think uh, that – wait, uh, Forest Hills feels out of left field?
1: A little bit. I mean, the fact that it takes place in a high school and it's about sort of these weird circumstances and how these kids are – dealing with those strange circumstances. I feel like that's all you guys. But I think the idea of it being a super secret underground, illegal hentai bracket that I think that's where the left field part comes in. You know, Uh,
0: (laughs) you got to keep them guessing JB. You got to keep them guessing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And who's, who's going to be publishing uh, Uh, a
0: little, a little publisher by the name of Simon and Schuster
1: yes yes
0: yeah simon, simon and schuster and you said you're simon schuster's imprint uh atheneum they're publishing it oh,
1: gotcha and okay our, so it's, it's editor, like a sub
0: label yeah they have a shitload of those they have like i don't know they have a ton yeah. of sub labels but yeah our imprint is the one that published are you there god it's me Mar- margaret mm-hmm. and cloudy with a chance of meatballs mm-hmm. and a bunch of other stuff and i'm just like come on cloudy with a chance of meatballs let's get them cloudy with a chance of oh,
1: Get a CGI movie out of this deal. Well,
0: oh, man, <laughs> hey, I'm down if it's as long as it looks like Nicole's artwork. I'm down for it to be some weird. That CGI. would actually.
1: That would be pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, so your agent was the one that was able to get this deal through after uh, oh, f- yeah. fuck off squad and also Batgirl. I would yeah. imagine mostly Batgirl was what kind of piqued their interest, right? Yeah,
0: one hundred percent. Yeah. But uh, I will say, though, that our our editor on the project who bought the project, Julia McCarthy, who is a saint, she basically like I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to out her and say that she did this in high school, but she related heavily to this and was involved in similar activities when she was in high school and is also from a small town. And so she was kind of like immediately like, oh, wow, I, I recognize this and I was in this world. And like, I, I think this would be great. Yeah. And if she hadn't responded to the material in that way, I, I don't know that the book would
1: have gone. <laughs> sure. <so much>. Right. <laughs> I, uh, when I was in uh, middle school, the main thing that people were trading were uh, mixtapes or CDs, at least like burn CDs. And like, uh, I know for a while, Tape trading was a huge thing, especially for people that were super into professional wrestling, especially stuff that most people didn't have access to in the States. So, this was a lot of like lucha libre stuff from Mexico or predominantly a lot of Japanese wrestling. You would have like a lot of like deathmatch wrestling matches and stuff like that that people kind of heard about either on like early, early message boards or um, I don't know what those are called, but like uh, zine communities where people would write in and recommend things. And so, yeah, there there's, I've I've seen that, that sort of um, sort of underground market before, but I guess just not with manga or anime or hentai or anything like that. Mostly because that wasn't really part of my world. I wasn't really, you know, watching anime except for like what was on TV, you know?
0: Yeah. The, the anime thing is pretty interesting because like there were like two pockets of it. There was like, the organized thing where you could like actually mail away and get tapes sent to you. And you could there were like actual organized groups who would like you paid 20 bucks every whatever amount of time. And you got X number of tapes and blah, 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 blah. And then there was kind of like what was in my high school where it, it seems like there just were dudes who either, they either like had like a family member that worked at blockbuster and they would just rip a bunch of DVDs or, They had somebody who like their, you know, second cousin worked at a convenience store that had like a VHS section or a DVD section or whatever. And they would kind of do the same thing where they would just take shit and then sell it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. The period of time that the book takes place in like, you know, 2001 to 2004 ish Mm -hmm. is like just when torrenting and digital piracy was like on the upswing. But it hadn't it hadn't like taken over, taken over yet. And that, that's a really interesting time to me. So, right.
1: Yeah. yeah, just file sharing in general was relatively new at that point. Um, I feel and like also like the tale- – oh, go ahead.
0: I was going to say and also just the the like the being a part of a like conservative Christian school like you, Oh,
1: yeah, in Arizona. You're not going right. to have
0: access to a computer. So you're going to be like – you're going to have one of those like weird shitty like flip DVD players that you then like mm-hmm. hide underneath your mattress, you know? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. I remember using my dad's computer to like torrent, um, or I guess, well, what was it like? Soulseek and Napster. Well, Napster before it got shut down. Yeah, just like finding music that way. And I feel like that opened up a lot of doors for people to find music that they probably wouldn't have gotten into otherwise. I think blogs, too, around that time, too, right? Like when people were posting Mediafire links or, you know, whatever predates Mediafire uh, for for people to just download zip files and they can just listen to records that this random person online had either curated or, you know, found these records that they were really into and was posting. Some of them get a little more, I guess, uh, specific, you know, like this this blog is only about like Tropicalia music. So it's all going to be just that or some variants of that. And then others kind of get a little more broad, but they're usually at least all similar in the sense that they're trying to find roads less traveled, I guess you could say.
0: Yeah, um, But I'm... there is
1: no money exchanged in those cases. So I guess, you know, doing something like that where you're like actively trying to do it for a profit is yeah. a bit different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was I'm not going to say heavily involved in Internet piracy, but, you know. I may or may not have had some large number of files. Like I, I, (laughs) uh, at one point, I had every Rage Against the Machine live performance that had been taped ever. Like I, I I had like an insane number. I had like their original black cassette, self-titled, that had been ripped onto you know MP3s. I had. I was obsessed with them for a hot minute.
1: I feel like that was really the only way you could find those live recordings too. Oh yeah, there were no real official pressings for a lot of those things.
0: Yeah, and you know, you you know, you would kind of like pay attention to the to the people who were seeding the torrents and be like, oh, this is a Habitabega Habibaiga one. Oh, I know this one will be. Yeah, good. yeah. Oh, and this, you, oh you, this one's a Tune Guys forty nine. Fuck that guy. That guy sucks. His his shit's always <laughs> terrible.
1: <laughs> I actually, um, this would have been later on. This was like two thousand six or seven. I remember somebody messaged me on Soul Seek, and at that time I I had a pretty large amount of of, um, found records, I guess you could say, of just like, you know, Doom Sludge crying, you know, whatever it is that I was into at that time. And some guy messaged me. I don't, I didn't, I I wasn't p- actively paying attention to who was seeding my stuff or downloading my stuff. And uh, this guy messaged me and was like, just wanted to thank me for some of these folders that he hadn't been able to track down for a while. And we talked for a little bit. He, w- he was living out in Louisiana. He was like a really nice dude, did a lot of like local shows, bookings and stuff like that. He said he was in a band. I was like, oh, cool. What's your band? And he said, oh, I'm, I'm in this band called Thou. And I was like, oh, I've heard of you guys. And then, you know, flash forward, I don't know, like 10 years later. And Thou is like still legit. One of the more well-known talked about bands in, in, in that scene, like specifically. Uh, I mean, they did stuff with the body. I don't know. This is this might not be your wheelhouse, but it it is just really weird to have those interactions. And then I, I ran into him at a show um, and he knew the same people that I knew that were from Louisiana. And we caught up and realized that we were the people that had that conversation on Soulseek back in like 2007 or something. So it's just really weird to have those those connections and all those like tiny niche communities kind of play out and how you meet more and more people and it's just it's a smaller world than I think we ever know. I, I mean I know from doing you know comic shows. I know you know this from doing comic shows and just interacting with the comics community in any way. You do get you do begin to see how small that world is.
0: Yeah, it it's funny because for a long time like all I wanted was to be a dude in the scene you know what I mean like it it's it's very when once you're in the community it's very welcoming and everyone's super nice but breaking into that circuit and that in air quotes friend group is not easy man it's a uh, and I don't think it's anyone it's not like it, it, anybody's being holier than thou or you know halt who goes there it's just you know, if you don't table at the shows, you're not going to make the friends and you're not going to be a part of the community. And the tabling at the shows section is such a weird thing because you need work to be able to put on your website to get access right. to table at the shows. But if you don't have money, just inherently, like you need to if you don't have the money to make to print the work, then it's not going to be there. And it's this weird chicken and the egg where you can't make work without tabling and you can't table without making work and you can't make friends without tabling and you can't table without kind of being a part of the community already. And
1: yeah, I, well, I would, I would say like social media, especially Instagram, has changed a little bit of that in terms of networking and meeting people outside of the convention model.
0: Yeah, agreed. Um,
1: because I mean, like you and me, we knew each other before we ever met at a con. Yeah. Um, and I can say that for a lot of people that I, I, you know, one way or the other met at a con later down the yeah. road. But these were people that we'd been interacting with, I don't, I don't know, like four years before, you know, sharing the same space, like the same physical space at a show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's true. Uh, but it's it's still that thing where you have to just kind of be active and be making stuff in order to be a part of the community. Which oh, is, of
1: course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think now too, there's, there's a couple of people I can think of who don't actively create or participate as creators and they're more kind of passive people in in the community who either purchase a lot or commission a lot or support artists in one way or the other, it's some sort of material way. And they're kind of sort of part of the community by that, not in the same way that you and I do. Obviously, but still they do interact with it on some yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. meaningful level. And they're, ne- you know, they're necess- they're necessary to, I mean, people like that are necessary to sustaining that community in terms of like, if we're just talking about it from a purely material standpoint, you know, we need I mean, people I've buying made some our
0: some stuff. A, I've made some of my best friends from just people who are at conventions come up and they're like, oh, what's this? And then I tell them about it. Yeah. And then, you know, it's, it's, a, it's really, really great. I really, and that's what I, I, I always say to Nicole, like, you know, regardless of what happens in the future, like I would like to continue to make books for bigger and bigger publishers. Like it'd be nice if we got to make another book for Simon and Schuster after this one, that'd be great. But if even if we don't, and even if this book falls apart, I just love going to conventions and tabling and selling comics and meeting people and being a part of that, like being a part of the community and also being a being able to Meet a literal perfect stranger and hand them a tome of who I am. Be like, hey, this is fuck off squad. This is what I th- thought at age whatever in 2000 and whatever. Yeah. This is who I am. This is a little weird time capsule of me. And maybe you'll relate to something in there. Maybe you won't. I don't know. Maybe you'll think it looks dumb and. Look at it and go, oh, this is nice and walk away and then go buy some Deadpool. That's cool, too. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Or if history is shown, maybe 60, 70, 80 years after your passing, people come across this and connect to it on a very meaningful level. And then it just blows up from there. Yeah. It's a really strange thing.
0: Yeah. Can you think of – I mean, I can think of other mediums that have that. But can you think of a comic that has had that?
1: Uh, Where the creators – passed before the book ever became sort yeah. of a linchpin.
0: Yeah.
1: Huh. Oh, well, I would say um, we, we might have talked about him a bit. Maybe that wasn't, you those early uh, – I can't remember now. My, I'm sorry. I'm kind of blanking out here, the name of the artist. Um, but I feel like there's been sort of a renaissance of that material – of these like bizarre superhero stories oh fletcher uh,
0: hanks fletcher
1: hanks, hanks thank you yeah yeah and because i don't really feel like his material or his output was that popular when no, it came it out was. and no it wasn't at yeah yeah but now people in the know absolutely know who that is and you have creators referencing or mentioning the their how that work affected them on, on a meaningful yeah. level so I don't know. Um, I, that's really the only example I can think of right now off the top of my head in terms of comics. Because you're right. Yeah, with that, comics, it's a little more immediate.
0: Yeah. But I, I like that, though. I think that's a pretty good one. Yeah. I mean, there's stuff that I can think of that, like, wasn't as big a success and then got a movie deal or got some sort oh, of – Kirby.
1: I mean, we always talk about Kirby. I feel like Kirby's material is more relevant than ever.
0: Yeah, but come on, man. He was the king. He, like – he was, he was the, the king. High, he he was the highest selling person in comics for multiple decades in a row. He invented I a agree. romance comic. He I like, agree. I don't I don't know if he necessarily factors into somebody who was overlooked and then kind of got rediscovered after they died.
1: I still think most people don't. I mean, outside of our circles and outside of like people that read comics, really know who <laughs> they is. I think their go to figure for quote unquote comics is like Stan Lee, you you know, bro. You got to do I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that that's warranted. I'm just saying just in terms of like the general, I I think you're right. I think you're,
0: you're you're absolutely right.
1: You're absolutely right. Yeah. But I think what I'm saying is I think to a broader audience, Kirby is becoming more and more sort of like a household name than, than maybe he was when he was active in the sixties and seventies.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think that's, I think that's, I think, unfortunately, Kirby's legacy is going to forever be overshadowed by Stan.
1: Oh, um, yeah, yeah, to a degree, yeah. Yeah, which sucks.
0: But I, I agree with the spirit of what you're saying, yeah, that thanks to these movies taking things from his runs on various works, and now that he's getting his first movie that wasn't, in air quotes, co-created by Stan with The Eternals, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. maybe that'll help more people be like... Oh, man, yeah, Kirby's cool. Even though the Eternals kind of sucks, but don't tell anybody I said that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would have loved it. Well, actually, I don't care if I ever see a comic being adapted to a movie, to be honest with you. But I think from um, a design point of view and art direction point of view, it'd be really cool to see a new gods movie just to see Although, all the. Sorry,
0: it'll happen. They're making it. Yeah, well, I mean,
1: I'm sure it'll be great. I'm sure it'll be. <laughs> I am sure it will be very, very in the spirit of Kirby's designs and his creative voice.
0: Yeah, I hope so, too. Yeah, Ava, Ava DuVernay is directing it and she's oh. co-writing it with uh, with Tom King. All right. Okay. Yeah. But also, we now live in the apocalypse. We may not make movies anymore. Who knows? I think we'll be okay in 18 months. I hope there's a country in 18 months. I think so. Yeah, there will be a country. I don't think the end
1: of the world is any is coming anytime soon. I think it's this is definitely the most serious pandemic we've had on a global scale in a very long time, that's for sure. Yeah. But I don't see it as being something that's going to change too much in any sort of real meaningful way in my opinion. I think if anything we're going to see people that were already actively hoarding power and actively trying to bypass democratic processes they're just going to do that even harder now and use this you know epidemic this pandemic uh in their favor and pointing to and say this is why you need us and this is why we need to take away more things from you um to protect you because i mean it's it's like history constantly repeats itself you know (laughs) know? so and nobody seems to ever learn from these mistakes so i don't know uh maybe Maybe good will come out of it. I don't know. I mean, right now, as we're talking, I know that Sanders, Ilhan, Omar, AOC, and a couple of other DNC reps that are kind of more left than their contemporaries are holding some sort of um, town hall about COVID right now. Obviously, we're not watching it right now because we're talking. But I mean, there are people out there that are trying to do something about this and trying to highlight how to make it better, how to address the needs of the, the the general population and aren't actively, I would hope, not actively looking to, you know, hoard more wealth and power. I don't see that with Sanders because I don't think that's his track record. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's been using his platform at this point and his donations from his campaign towards assisting, you know, people in need instead of funding his campaign. He knows he's in a losing campaign at this point. But instead of dropping out, he's using that platform to actually kind of draw attention to what needs to be done. And hopefully, knock on wood, Biden actually um, will, you know, whoever he decides on his administration will take these on seriously um, rather than just using them as talking points, if at all. Uh, I don't know, because we haven't seen Biden in like four days. <laughs> he's pretty MIA throughout all of this. Uh, so that's good. That's reassuring. Uh, I'm sorry to get all political within the last portion of this interview.
0: Yeah. Where the fuck is he though? Like, come on guys.
1: I, I don't know, man. Maybe they're rebuilding his brain. I have no idea. <laughs> That's a fucking clue, man. I'm trying to remain optimistic, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. And uh, yeah, it goes without saying that Trump is doing what Trump was expected to do, which is little to nothing. So, yep. yeah. Yep. So now, before we Close this interview out. I guess we should leave on a bit of a higher note. And I I should have started with this. So what got you into comics? Because you touched on how you wanted to be part of that scene, right? How you were somebody on the outside looking in and wanting to participate and wanting to be like a mover and shaker in that way. What got you into it? Why did you want to participate in the first place? Like, why would you want to be in this community?
0: Because it's the greatest artistic medium in the history of man.
1: And what, like, because you said that in the last interview. So, like, why do you think comics are the best um, medium?
0: Uh, I love comics because they are the closest you can get to a singular visual storytelling experience uh, that's one to one from one person's brain to another person's brain. I like novels a lot, but you lose something where you're dependent on metaphor and prose and you don't have the idiosyncrasies of somebody's the way they choose to represent um, a face or the way they choose to render a building uh, is, is just something that doesn't exist in that way where every building in a feral Pole comic is completely feral Pole you know what mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. every every brick in a frank miller comic is extremely xenophobic and racist <laughs> i mean i mean very <laughs> frank miller um, yeah yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, I love the fact that it's a Hieronymus machine with words and pictures that are synthesized with the human brain so that it's a completely unique experience. Some people read word balloons first and then look at the, the illustrations. Some people read the illustrations and soak those in and then look at the uh, word balloons. Um, I love the fact that comics delivers a storytelling experience unlike any other medium it shares aspects of film it shares aspects of theater it shares aspects of photography shares aspects of prose but it's all of those things filtered through one or two people's minds Mm -hmm. and i think that that the, the, the the kind of like purity in that is what is exciting to me about medium and uh and i also like the fact that it's egalitarian you can make a comic with a fucking piece of paper and a pencil you don't need 150 million dollars yeah anybody can do it anybody can do it and uh i think that's great yeah
1: just just need time
0: and sometimes depending on the type of thing you're making you don't even need time some people make stick figure comics and they're brilliant some people make, you know, overly elaborate fine art illustrations and they're dumb. Like it's, it's you know <laughs> what yeah. I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. it's 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 about your cunning and your own guile. on your own self belief and your own, you know, your your aspirational reach. That's the thing I like the most about comics, is that it's a medium that is as byzantine and maze like as you want it to be, or as simple and direct as you want it to be.
1: Awesome. Yeah, don't disagree. I think that's a good uh, place to end this interview. Dave, I want to thank you for uh, joining us on Gutter Boys again. Is there any place you want to plug or thing you want to mention before we go?
0: Yeah, uh, you can find me online at HeyDaveBaker.com. You should definitely go subscribe to my new explainer podcast, Deep Cuts, where we pick a topic every week and walk you through the ins, the outs, and the nitty gritty so you can appear like an interesting and idiosyncratic person at your next forced social function. Uh, you can find that at deeppod pod dot baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Has that network been named? Is that is that a thing? No, not yet. So far, okay.
0: ju- right now, is just me and Andrew with our Deep Cuts podcast.
1: Cool. So far, all right. And you're on Instagram, Twitter X, Dave Baker X. That is true. Yeah, you still have yet to follow me on Twitter. That's not true. Go go check right now.
0: That's not true. Go check right now. <laughs> We're that gonna is do this live. That's not true. Here we go. I'm wait, doing it wait. right now.
1: I'm waiting. Pull That's it up. That's not
0: right
1: true. Now. Pull it up right now.
0: Yeah, look. Yeah, JB Rowe. More Crimp Junior. <laughs> I definitely okay, that's recent then.
1: That is recent then. I,
0: I did it. I literally did it right now. Yeah, yeah.
1: All <laughs> right. Well, uh, Dave, thanks so much for being on the show, and uh, I'll I'll be talking to you soon. All right. All Thank right, you very much.